You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, we are back um, on Real Presence Live um, in Rapid City, South Dakota. I'm Jordan Miller, and this is my co-host with me, Laura Hawk. Uh, And we just finished up talking about authentic joy, uh, an encounter with Father Robert Woolweber. um, And it kind of led us into a, you know, thought-provoking conversation about, you know, Advent and and, um, what that means for our own spiritual lives and how we prepare for for Advent. And so... um, Laura, maybe you can, I can just kind of share things that maybe we do or things that we find helpful uh, in this Advent season to prepare for the coming of our Savior. Yeah, yeah. So uh, over the last four weeks, I have really been um, working to journey with Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she just plays such a pivotal role in in the birth of Christ, clearly, yeah. that like trying to get a better um, understanding of who she was as, as a, a true living young woman and, and to... to look to her for, for greater support more and yeah, more. Yeah. So it's good. Um, I had the chance to read like the read of God by Carol Houselander, oh, which is just is full of excellent, beauty. excellent, uh, book that I've read also. And I think, um, yeah, I think it just gives us a different lens, you know, to, you know, look through. And, um, I know you and I have been kind of with this other group of women going through, uh, this Ascension Press rejoice series and, um, I find it helpful, I guess, to have something, you know, a particular word that Father Mark Toops gives us mm. um, every day to focus on and to, you know, kind of cling to a little bit. Um, and so I find that really helpful for, for myself. Um, and this this particular series goes through um, Advent, you know, like the Annunciation and um, just different parts of Mary's life and in light of the marriage of Mary and Joseph. And, yeah. and that's something I haven't really considered um, Deeply, I guess. In some part, yes, but, you know, not to the extent that uh, we're able to in um, in this series. And so I think that's been helpful for me as far as what the, what the incarnation was like um, and how Joseph cared for Mary and how yeah. Mary responded and how they both just, like, you know, called each other to, to greater holiness and to greater uh, sacrifice and... And, and, and Jordan, I, I totally agree. When when you bring, I, I guess St. Joseph for me has just been kind of a missing puzzle piece yeah. in, in my journey through Advent. You know, once I once I saw him, you know, and, and this this um, Rejoice uh, series that we did really helped with that, then, then you can visualize, you know, the Holy Family so much better. You know, like, right. they're just real people. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, Jesus yeah. is fully God, that, fully yeah. man, but it, it is and incredible. And I think that does get lost sometimes, is yeah. that, you know, the... Mary and Joseph were real people too. And, um, yeah, what a shock this must have been to Mary and, you know, just like the real human, um, responses to what was going on in their lives. And, um, anyway, so we just, (laughs) um, along with that, we also, um, we'll get back into our segment here with, uh, Mm -hmm. Father Ed Venorni is with us here. Um, and we just want to welcome you to the studio, Father. Good to be here, good. I think. <laughs> it is, it is good. <laughs> yeah, Father Ed, uh, we do, we appreciate you joining us. And, and we just want to touch on a little bit uh, more about, about your priesthood um, and, and everything. So, um, yeah, Father Ed Venorni is here. He's a priest for the Diocese of Rapid City. Currently, he's living at the cathedral um, and helping serve um, here. Uh, he kind of has a title of a retired priest, but <laughs> that's one that uh, I think he's... Uh, 
he's still living a lot of the priesthood for for his people, which is incredible. So, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself, Father? Oh my goodness, there's a whole <laughs> lot to tell you. <laughs> uh, what exactly do you want to know? Yeah. How about your journey to to the priesthood? The journey. Um, yeah. How how God truly called you by name? It happened twice. Okay. Um, I grew up on a farm in northeastern South Dakota in a, a cat, with a Catholic family, nine children. I was the oldest of seven boys. And I don't know where I got this idea, and I've never... I've heard it from other people, but I had it in my head that as I was growing up that I was the oldest of seven sons, mm. that I was supposed to be a priest. Oh, didn't matter what I wanted to do. <laughs> so uh, as a sophomore in high school, I went to my parents and I said, I, I would like to study to be a priest. So they hooked me up with the parish priest and, and I was sent off to a high school seminary mm. with the Oblates of Mary Immaculate because that was the religious order serving in my parish. The seminary was in Carthage, Missouri. I rode a bus oh. from Miller, South Dakota, all the way down to Carthage, Missouri. As like a, a sophomore, junior in high school? Yeah, wow. a, a sophomore in high school. I had no idea what I was doing. But anyway, <laughs> I, I did that for six years. I went through their high school program, their junior college program. I went through their novitiate program. And the year of novitiate was a year of silence and a year of discernment and deciding for guys w what they really wanted to be doing. And I just decided I wasn't ready for this at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I left and I went back home. How old were you at this point when you, when you when went I, through your... When I left the seminary, I was 21 years old. Okay. okay. Went back home ah. and worked on the farm for a little bit. Worked in the Redfield... Uh, state institution for the mentally retarded for a couple of years, went to college, got married in college, went into teaching special education for about 20, 23 years. Okay. Uh, was married for 10 years, married in 1970, divorced in 1980, have two daughters. In 1980, divorced, I moved into Winter, South Dakota. Uh, continuing to teach special education and I took a job as a special ed coordinator at a facility working with adults okay. with mental retardation and developmental disabilities mm -hmm. and I did that until 1992 but while I was in winter there were just so many people in that <laughs> community and in that parish they kept coming after me suggesting <laughs> that you know they called me Mr. Ed. <laughs> Mr. Ed, you have so many qualities that seem to say you should be a Catholic priest. Mm. Have you ever thought about that? And, and they kept after me and after me. And, and uh, finally, there was this program called Called by Name. Father Arnie Carey started it in the diocese. So he did it one Sunday at, at all the, uh, one weekend at all the masses and had people write names of people they thought were called to the priesthood. And Father Arnie Carey called me over to his office that afternoon at the rectory 
And he said, Ed, <laughs> do you realize whose name was written on probably almost all of the cards that I got here today at Masses? Yours. Wow. <laughs> and he said, Have you, I, I think you really should think seriously about this. So we did. Okay. That was in like 1988, I think. We started the process. I had to go through the annulment sure. uh, to get my former marriage annulled and all that stuff. And so what was it like, Father, for you to you know, study with the, those oblates <laughs> in Missouri uh, and then leave for several years? Um, and then to you know, be called in a somewhat different way you know, as a diocesan priest rather than a religious order. But what was that like for you when people started you know, saying, like, Father, you'd make you have all these qualities that we would find... Um, and find you to be a good Catholic priest. And so what was that like going on in like your own heart? Um, when I left in 1966, uh, because I didn't think I was ready, mm-hmm. and I didn't think I had what, it, what was needed to be a priest, I, I was perfectly comfortable with that. Mm. And I just wanted to go off and do something with my life. Mm-hmm. And I had had some experience with working with special education children while I was in the seminary during summer programs. And that kind of sparked my interest, and I really uh, had a liking for working with that class of mm-hmm. young people. So I really wanted to get into special education, and mm-hmm. teaching really was uh, a calling for me. So when, when Father Arnie Carey called me into the office and said, <laughs> you really need to think about priesthood because these people are calling you, and I, I really struggled with, do I leave what I felt was my primary mm-hmm. calling in life to be a special education teacher and go off and try something once again that mm-hmm. I tried before and yeah. it didn't work? Uh, but people were willing to support me and pray for me yeah. uh, through all of this. So I, I took a chance and I, yeah. I stepped out of what I really loved and wow. stepped into something that has become Father, an extreme joy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Father Ed, he, like you had to have incredible trust in the Lord, you know, and, and faith. I think as, so. You know, because that doesn't, <laughs> like, that, like that statement is crazy, you know, like it is, it takes a true trust to like step out of that, which you know you're making a difference in and that's bringing mm-hmm. you joy to, to go and, and open yourself up to another try at, at yeah. a greater calling. And there were any number of people that really expressed that to me too, that, that they appreciated the fact that I would, I would be courageous enough mm-hmm. to step out of something that I felt was my calling for life and say, God, mm-hmm. take me off on a journey, another yeah. journey. Yeah, which goes back to how you said that when you said you got called into his office. You said, your words, Father Ed, was... So we began that journey, you know, so like, yep. like you and, and the priest who, who pulled you aside, you know, like you weren't, you had a lot of support yeah. by the sounds of it. Yeah. When I was ordained, when a priest is ordained, uh, what, one of the things I, I dearly remember is, is that when uh, I was presented to the church community as a candidate to be ordained as a priest, uh, I'm not sure the exact words, but uh, they say to the bishop, this is the man Mm -hmm. that the people of the church has called forth to ordination to priesthood. And and that 
And that was so true for me yes, in that winter community. Because yes. it was the people who called me first. God was calling through them. And pretty powerful. And you said yes. <laughs> and I said yes. <laughs> was, was Father Arnie Carey the vocation director at the time? Or was he just like in nope, charge of was, this program? He was, he was but... the pastor at the okay. time. Oh, okay. I don't know who the... I don't know who the director was at the oh, time. Okay. Could have been Father Mike Malloy. Could have been Father Tim Hoig. I, I don't know. Okay. Could have been a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, very good. Yes. All right, Father. Well, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we're okay. going to... You're not off the hook yet, though. We're going to revisit um, some things about your life and some things yes. about um, your vocation story. So um, we're here at the cathedral, and we will be right back on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. I think it it was my sophomore year of college that... Focus showed up to the campus. And I still remember after one of the Sunday Masses, uh, one of the missionaries came up to me and was like, hey, you, not knowing who I am, saying, do you want to be in a Bible study? And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, well, that's great. Uh, You can sign your name up anyway, and maybe you'll change your mind later. I'm like, excuse me, I don't think you get this. No, I don't. Like the next day, he shows up in my dorm and he's like, so we're meeting tomorrow night. Can't wait to see you there. Okay, so that was the beginning. <laughs> That's the beginning of my... Then I, you know, I show up at the study, and I realize it's like, okay, uh, these are just ordinary guys. You know, guys, that maybe the, they themselves are not quite sure why they're there. And I think that's what God often asks for us, is just, even if we don't want to open the door all the way, or if we're skeptical, or a little bit like, God, I'm not sure what's going on here. I don't, I don't like this, but God's like, okay, I can work with that, but just give me a little bit. So that's what I did. So... The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning, everybody. We are here uh, in Rapid City, South Dakota at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help on this Monday, December 21st. My name is Jordan Miller, here with my co-host, Laura Hawk. Uh, and we are joined by Father Ed Venorni, uh, who is just giving us a little bit of the, a rundown on his vocation story. Um, and so, Father, we were just talking to you before the break about um, how you were, you know, in seminary with these oblates in Missouri and then discerned out and then uh, got married and had a career 
uh, and then how God called you back into the seminary as a diocesan priest. Um, mm -hmm. And I just want to, uh, while you were in Winter, South Dakota, and I just want to ask you uh, a follow-up question. Just like, what was different um, about the second time around in seminary? Uh, you know, you said the first time, you know, you, you were okay with leaving, um, and maybe that you weren't quite ready. Um, and then got called back into the seminary. And so what was different for you the second time around? And what was your, maybe your prayer like, or, you know, your mindset, or what were your thoughts about re-entering this thing that you were, you know, you once left, I guess? Probably what was most different. Because how old were you at this point when you entered the second time? 47. Okay, which would have been a big difference between a 21 and, and a 47 And I found out later <laughs> that I was actually two years beyond the age at which the diocese would no longer accept someone to be a priest. Wow. So Bishop Charles kind of pushed the rule aside and said, yep, we'll, we'll let you into the seminary. Well, anyway, uh, when, when I, le I, I, I had to go do two years of pre-theology, at uh, the Winona Seminary. Mm -hmm. And I was there with young college-age guys. And when I was ready to go into theology school, I went to Bishop Charles and I said, you know, I am going to be 49 years old heading into theology school. And I would rather not spend my next four years going to school with young men who are young enough to be my own children. I'm, I'm so much older than they are in, in, yeah. in the regular college theology school age. Would you allow me, and I said there are some seminaries that serve only later vocations to the priesthood. Would you let me check on some of those and, and select one where I'd like to go? And he said yes. So I, I went to four di three different ones. I chose the one in Boston, uh, uh, St. John the 23rd Seminary, and I went back and told him that, and he said, yes, that's an excellent choice, mm -hmm. go for it. And, and, and it, was, it, 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 it helped me in my studies to be with guys my own age, sure. guys totally. that had a lot of similar experiences, guys who had come out of their own families, they were either, most were widowed, had children of their own. So I, that made a, a, a mountain of yeah, difference for me. Yeah. To be able to pray with guys my own age and recreate with guys my own yeah, age yeah, and sure, all of that stuff sure. and study with guys sure. my own age. Yeah. That, what was that. it about John the 23rd that attracted you more than the other two options? I think it was the spiritual life that was promoted mm -hmm by the staff there, yeah. they, uh, they, they seem to make it a special effort to develop, help each of these guys develop their spiritual life mm -hmm. and to go out and be spiritual directors in their own ministry as mm -hmm. priests. Mm -hmm. Whereas a couple of the other places didn't seem to have that focus and, yeah. and it really was important for me because I had never really done much with uh, strengthening and and focusing on my spiritual life. Sure. It was it was so many other things in yeah. life. So so and now like years later after after being there, um, yeah. What is 
what does your prayer life look like as 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 a priest and and share with us a little oh, bit more on goodness. that because I think it ha- it has uh, to be incredible. You're getting grilled, Father. These I, <laughs> what's it like? Actually, while I was active in in parish ministry, uh, my prayer life was pretty sporadic. It was either way early in the morning or way late at night that I would really settle down. And and, and usually I, I would get over to whatever church I was at, whether it was in Buffalo or Bison or Presho or Murdo or Gregory or okay. Burke or any of those places. I would wander over into the church late at night and just sit before the Blessed Sacrament Mm. and be quiet and just rest in the arms of my Lord after a a full day of whatever it was. And and it it meant a lot to me to be able to do that. And being here at the cathedral now that I'm retired and and they have an apartment here for me, (coughs) excuse me, I can get down to that... uh, chapel mm-hmm. any hour of the day i'll go down there at three or four in the morning and just wow. and, and and i'll fall asleep there and, and and it doesn't seem to uh bother me at all that i that i would do that mm-hmm. and i i'm hoping that the lord appreciates that i can sleep in his presence yeah. and, sometimes and, we uh, all do that on accident yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but that is crazy how you're pulled to to spend time in front of the blessed sacrament yes you know like because uh, you don't like no one naturally gets out of their bed, um, you know, nope. early in the morning. Like like you were being drawn closer to him, you know. And I kind of picked that up when I was first assigned to my first parish in 1999. It was in Buffalo, mm-hmm. in Harding County, and there was a retired priest living there, um, in in the rectory. So I, I actually lived in Bison. He was 88 years old, Father. Um, no, he slipped. His name slips my memory. Uh, Andy, Andy Morvey. Every night at midnight, mm-hmm. stroke of midnight, he would go into the church in Buffalo, and in the little pew right in front of the tabernacle, he sat there for two or three hours. Wow, I love that. In front of the tabernacle, and I I remember that ever since I was there, that I need to develop that relationship mm-hmm. with my Lord that I can be comfortable doing that whenever I feel the need to do that. Yeah. And I know it can kind of... Thanks to uh, Father Andy. There yeah. we go. <laughs> and I know it can sometimes be tricky for, for priests to, uh, to to spend time in prayer in, oh, in yes. front of the Blessed Sacrament uh, because typically, you know, like there are others there. And, uh, and I, I know I've heard other priests say like, yeah, I get pulled when I'm trying to pray you know, to our yeah. Lord, like, like people see me and, and desire confession or this yep. or that. And do you have any recommendations? For and it? in our ministry, we get pulled in so many sure. different directions or, that all of a sudden our, our prayer life and our relationship with Christ becomes something that gets a back burner yeah. way too often. Yeah. And, uh, I and was, I was guilty of that many, many times. Yeah. Mm. I was, I always, <laughs> whenever we have a holy hour, you know, on retreat or anything, I, you know, like it's such a treat to to stand, you know, to pray there in front of mm-hmm. the Lord. And you guys yep. are always in the box. <laughs> You're always in, <laughs> in there in the uh, confession, offering yeah. that sacrament, which has its own graces. But it is a sacrifice, you know, not yeah. to be able to spend. Yeah, and I think there's something comforting too. You know, like 
Even though it might be tricky for some priests to, you know, pray. I mean, at least at the cathedral where we have, you know, perpetual adoration, where, mm-hmm. you know, there's always somebody else in there. And so, you know, for I think of our priests that come in and will stop in and pray for a while. Um, but that does something to my own heart, you know, as a parishioner, knowing mm-hmm. that my pastor is praying, you know, yes. and that he's mm-hmm. still, you know, like whether he, he's not getting caught up in all the administrative work that may need to happen, but that this is still a priority for him. Um, And so that, I mean, that comforts, not that I think that they don't, you know, but I think it's good for the people to see the priest pray. I think there is something mm -hmm. to be said about that. I do remember the first, one of the first times I saw uh, my pastor like praying Mm -hmm. in adoration. Uh, And yeah, I go back to it. Like there is a, um, it's just really beautiful to see that the person that that I look to in our our church structure as the leader in that moment of prayer has someone else greater to turn to. You know, yeah. and you can see that in prayer when they are there and and they don't have to be self-reliant or the one with all the answers. Like they really have the opportunity to be in the recept, receptive um position. Yeah. Uh, before our Lord. Yeah. Yep, that's very important. Yeah. yeah. Father, what would you say are some of the struggles um, and joys that you face as a priest? Mm-hmm. I'll switch over to the joys first. What I began to notice right away when I was... I, I, I spent my first year at the Blessed Sacrament Church after my ordination, and then one year later, Bishop... Uh, Blaise Supic came and called me. Well, okay, I'll, I'll mention a struggle first. He <laughs> he called me and asked me if I would be willing to uh, take the uh, the assignment of the six parishes in the Buffalo okay. Bison area, six parishes wow. yeah. <laughs> for one year priest. And I said. I suppose I, I guess I have to, and I I stood up my first Sunday after I was assigned to do that, and I said to all the people at church, I said I would love to sing to Bishop Blaze, please Bishop Blaze, I don't want to go, <laughs> but I didn't do it, so he sent me off to do that. Three years later, he sent me down to Burke or to uh, Myrtle, Presho, Draper parishes. Three years after that, he sent me down to Gregory Burke, all of Gregory County, and each time I said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that, and I don't think I have to. And he said, you're right, you don't have to, because you're the pastor, but I want you to talk to my consultants and find out why I'm sending you, asking you to go there. And each time, the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, you need mm. to be there because you're the one that's needed there. Mm. And that was a big struggle for me. Yeah. I never got to finish a six-year term anywhere. Uh, but <laughs> thy will be done. Thy yeah. will yeah, be I know. done. And well, his yeah. will was always done. <laughs> and that, that was a big struggle uh, yeah. for me. And well, I think but it always ended up to be a joy. Yeah. It always ended up to be yeah. a joy. Yeah. 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 Well, Father Ed, we have ran out of time. <laughs> okay. Um, but once again, it was just such a pleasure to have you here with us. Oh, well, we can um, do some you. more of this sometime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, great. Off the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Well, Jordan, you want to get us kicked off for our, our yeah. next segment? Yeah, I do. Um, why should you take the time to be with our Lord in silence? Uh, we'll discuss this next on Real Presence Live, so stay with us. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live 
where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 